Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to deal with a super sensitive subject today that will be reactive for some people, some of our listeners. Let me well, let me get started this way, and then I'll explain a little bit more, and then I'll jump into it. But I want to give an appeal. I want to give an appeal to a particular group of people who do read our resources, who do come to us and ask questions and listen to our podcast. It goes like this. Here's my appeal. Dear gay friend, as you read this article or as you listen to this podcast, I appeal to you to differentiate between my affection for you and my opinion about your life choices. Agreement with your lifestyle choices and love for you are not mutual necessities. Likewise, I do not expect you to agree with my views about everything. I do not hate you. Disagreement and love can coexist. And that's my appeal to a particular group of people, to the gay community. But you can take this podcast and and you can apply it to any two people groups or two individuals who are struggling with each other. You can replace a lot of the words that I'm using here and bring it right into your marriage because you have two people within a marriage that are different, uniquely different, and to expect them to line up by crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's, well, it's, it's just not possible, and honestly, it would be ignorant. But you can still love people that you disagree with, And that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. In fact, the title of it is Gay Logic. How in the world did you ever believe this? If you want to read this podcast, I would love for you to do it. Go to our website, rickthomas.net, and look for that article, Gay Logic. How in the world did you ever believe this? You can just type the word gay logic into the search box, and this article will come up for you. Everybody lives according to what they believe, and no two individuals think the same way about everything. Now, maybe you don't want to think about this podcast as far as how it applies to the gay community, and that's why I was Uh, suggesting that you could bring this podcast into your marriage or any other relationship because that is the truth. Everybody lives according to what they believe and no two individuals think the same way about everything. Now, my worldview aligns with the truths of God's word. Caveat, as I understand it now, the best that I have been able to understand it up to this point. Obviously, I am in what we call progressive sanctification, and so what I believe 10 years from now will be nuanced. It'll be better, I hope, than what it is now, and most definitely as I look back on my life, as I've been walking with the Lord for you know maybe 40 years, whatever that math is, I've changed a lot in these decades. But I still hold true to this statement. My worldview aligns with the truths of God's word. But I would be an idiot 
to expect every person to believe as I do. How awkward would that be? How, how arrogant would that be? How ignorant would that be? And the person who does not believe as I do does not have to hate me. You don't have to hate me because of my beliefs. I'm not asking you to agree, but I am suggesting that you don't have to hate me. And so I do not adhere to the gay logic. You know, I titled this podcast, Gay Logic. How in the world did you ever believe this? Well, let me explain what I mean by gay logic in this article. The gay logic that I'm talking about that says that there is only one view and they will not stop until I believe as they do. You see, gay logic saying that I have to believe as they do and that's the only right answer and nothing else is acceptable. Well, that just can't be. And that's why I was saying that if I expected everybody to believe as I believe, that too is illogical. And so it is a, it's fallacious. It's an illogical breakdown that is not tenable anywhere in any type of relationship. For example, let me share with you some of my beliefs. Not only do I believe that homosexuality or the gay lifestyle is a sin, but I believe that drunkenness and porn and anger and gossip are sins. Now, if I used gay logic, any person could twist Scripture to justify their practices while admonishing anyone who is against them. This argument is circular and will never lead to reconciliation. And if if that is the only kind of logic, which is illogical, that we're going to apply, we will always hate each other because if the only right option is to be okay with what you do, no matter what it is that you do, we're in a hopeless place. I say that homosexuality is a sin. You say it's not. If we can't agree to disagree and love each other, there's nothing left to do but fight to the bitter end. At the heart of this problem is whether Christians condone sin, any sin. I'm no more willing to condone homosexuality as I am eager to tolerate my list of offenses against God. You see, in this sense, I am no different from the gay person. They are committing sin, and and so have I. And so when I say that I don't condone sin, I don't condone any sin, I am in that group. And when I do sin, I don't condone it. I can't keep tolerating it. I cannot under any circumstances comply with any belief that the Bible condemns no matter how much my opponents try to prop up their arguments. People who do not agree with historical Christian beliefs on morality, they will not make much headway with mainstream Christianity. Now, I realize on the periphery of mainstream Christianity that it is splintering all over the place, and and there are many accepting so-called Christian communities that don't believe that homosexuality is a sin, but if you believe, if you believe that it's not a sin, you will not make much headway with mainstream Christianity. Typically, those who disagree with Christian ethics, what they normally do is they take political action so they can legislate their worldview, force their worldview upon us. 
Our opponents have done well in the political arena. Let me give you just one example. They have won over the American Psychiatric Association. When the DSM-4, we're at the DSM-5 now, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the, the Bible for the secular community, but when the fourth version came out, its prior understanding was that the gay lifestyle was a deviant behavior. Homosexuality used to be called a deviant behavior. But then when the DSM-4 came out, the new deviant practice is the person who is against the gay lifestyle. And they gave us a label for this, and they gave us a disorder. The disorder is homophobic or homophobia. And so according to science, and I put that in quotation marks, the new sick person, according to the DSM-4, is me. And so they have made great strides through the political arena so they can legislate their worldview on us because they're not going to make much headway with mainstream Christianity. And this kind of political evangelistic advancement has done a lot in our country to bring the gay community into a better light. The politicizing of their behavior has softened people's perspective on what used to be explicit biblical prohibition. I've wrote about this transition of the American culture in my article, It's Okay to Be Gay, and You Need to Know Why. It's linked here, and I would encourage you to read that article. For some of you, it will be eye-opening. Now, there are three main drumbeats that some gay folks consistently sound as part of their evangelistic outreach to change the culture. These positions that I'm going to present to you do not represent the totality of their belief system, the totality of their evangelistic outreach on us, but they are core-shaping influences that motivate them to gain acceptance from and power over others, meaning power over us. And so I'm going to give you the the three three of the positions that they use to to make themselves the, the the dominant accepted culture in our society today, and then I'll explain all three of them. Number one, here's one of their mantras. Jesus said we are to love everybody. I want to talk about that. Number two, Christians are mean people. Now I'm not in a vacuum, I don't argue with that. Excuse me, in a vacuum, I don't argue with either one of these points. Jesus said to love everybody. Number two, Christians are mean people. Well, some some Christians are mean people. And then three, Christian the Christian views perpetuate hate. Not only are we mean people, but we perpetuate hate. So let me take the first mantra that they use, and again, this is all under the umbrella of gay logic. There's a breakdown in gay logic, and if you use these mantras, as, as I'm going to unpack those mantras, you'll see the breakdown in their logic. And number one, they say Jesus loves everyone. Now, Jesus gave us our most significant marching orders in, in, March, in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, We call this the two great commandments, which are to love God and love others more than ourselves. To take the love others as always agreeing with others is a befuddling argument. This is a huge breakdown in logic. The logic is so off the skids that it feels odd, honestly, to even to bring this up. 
This idea that Jesus loves everybody, and they conflate that to mean that love everybody is always agreeing with everybody. Yes, Jesus said we are to love God with our whole heart and, and to love others too. But if I pulled those verses out of the Bible and made them a mantra with, with no other scriptures lying beside them, uh, I would have to accept everyone regardless of how they lived. Think about where that could go. This worldview means Jerry Sandusky is not wrong for exploiting people with his gay practices. We should accept him and judge not. But within our own camp, it means that abuse, the abusive pastor is right too. We love him, which means we agree with him. Do you see where this goes? It means that there is no end to this logic because we must embrace the mantra, basically to each his own. The folks who flew planes into the World Trade Center could make the same argument. Nothing matters. This worldview is a complete embracing of relativism, a core tenet of the global community. Relativism is accepting the predominant views and practices and ethics of the culture, no matter what those beliefs and practices are. I want my gay friends to know that I am not angry with them. I have no desire for harm to come to them. I love them so much that I want to speak the truth to them. I want them to repent of their sin and bring their behavior and their lives under the obedience of Christ. I want to live that way too. My hope for them is no different from my concern for myself. The problem with the love everyone mantra is that they are arguing over the wrong scriptures. They are making it a love versus hate argument. If it were a love argument, the most loving thing I could do when a person is sinning is to love them back to Christ. Anytime you see a person making the wrong decision and do not do all that you should do, it is not love at all. Their perspective is not only twisting the scriptures to suit their desires, but it's intellectual dishonesty. Many people have made this error. Here's the error. I want to justify what I believe, so I find a Bible verse that I can pull out of its context and support my agenda. There is no humility. There is no grace in that kind of anti-intellectual posturing. For example, let me give you a personal illustration. If Lucia confronted me about a choice that did not that I was making that did not align with Scripture, and, and the temptation would be to justify or to rationalize why I chose to do what I did. I don't know anyone who has not done that when their desires ran headlong into the clear teaching of God's Word. You've done that too. You, you, you wanted to do something, and, and, and you were called on it, and, and you justified yourself. In my case, when I hold to an unbiblical position, I'm being defiant, I'm being mean-spirited, I'm, I'm being accusa accusative. I'm unwilling to hear the Lord's word regarding my sinful choices, and the most loving thing my wife could do is to help bring me back to God. And so the first logical fallacy, Jesus loves everyone. Yeah, Jesus loves everyone, but if you conflate loving everyone with agreeing with everyone, then you are in a mess. Point number two, breaking down gay logic, they say Christians are mean people. 
Part of a rationalizing person's love-centric theology, it stems from a few wrong-headed and harsh presentations of of the love of Christ from a branch of Christian community of the Christian community who are more like the scold mob or the scold sect that we see from the politically motivated bullies on social media. Because when the gay community say Christians are are mean people, well, yeah, there are some wrong-headed and harsh presentations of the love of Christ from the Christian community. The gay community has experienced legitimate hurt from a few mean-spirited Christians who are more sin-centered than gospel-centered. This complaint is not news for me. Some Christians have a view of holiness that, that might not line up with God's word, and anyone who does not meet their criteria for their holy club, they receive their scorn. I live in the fundamentalist center of the Christian world in Greenville, South Carolina. I have observed firsthand the nastiness of some religious people toward other believers and toward non-believers who do not hold to their tightly wound opinions and arguments. There is no grace, there is no mercy for the sinner who does not adapt to their views. And so when the gay person says Christians are mean people, I put my hand on my mouth. I I do not have an argument for that in a vacuum. As stated, mean-spirited people who have an axe to grind will beget mean-spirited people who have an axe to grind. I wish I could tell you another story, but we do have a problem within our ranks. This specific issue about Christians being mean It is an us problem and not a you problem. Not a you, my gay friend, problem. When my gay friends talk about our harshness, it's not the time for me to argue with them as though it's not true. My gay friends could not be clearer. A few immature people have legitimately hurt a few of those who are not in our camp. Some of these people are Christians and they struggle with being gay. Imagine that, a a Christian struggling with sin. My gay friends have shared about the hypocrisy of Christian people because of their horrific experiences with a few uncharitable ones. These few Christians became the shaping influence on how some in the gay community think about all Christians. I'll never forget the day that uh, my my new soon-to-be lesbian friend came into my life and into my counseling office specifically, and she shared the story about uh, the horrific experience that, that, that she had uh, with for her former churches that, uh, that she went to for help. It is true. But here's the problem. When you map your experience with a few bad apples over how you think about all the apples— You'll always come to wrong conclusions because all Christians are not this way. I would never say that the gay perspective about harsh Christianity is inaccurate because I have experienced the unkindness of those uh, who are my brothers and sisters. But the more significant issue is when you start acting like them, when the gay community starts acting like some of these harsh Christians. It's similar to the child who chooses rebellion and anger because of his experience with a harsh, unkind, authoritarian father. The child ends up becoming a version of his father, either by imitating him or reacting to him. 
I am not saying that every angry gay person became that way because of how a few Christians treated them, but that is part of the problem. Some of us have not done well in engaging those who are different from us in civil discourse. Even as I type these words, there is a deep sadness in my soul about these things. I am sad because of my legalistic friends have displayed graceless, self-righteous attitudes, and I'm sad because this has been a shaping influence on a few of my gay friends. Nevertheless, past sins by religious colleagues should never have controlling power over how you think and behave. I have shared at length about how the murderers of my two brothers were permitted to walk without punishment. I am acutely familiar with injustice and unfairness. I'm not that person with the perfect life. The dirtiness of this world has washed up on my front porch. The perpetrators of their death, the legal community, and the religious crowd were complicit in their ignorance, their arrogance, and their shameful responses to the deaths of my brothers. Even so, I am not entitled to be like them by retaliating similarly. The Bible does not permit me to be unkind, to be harsh, to use hate speech toward these people. If the two great commandments have any governing authority over my life, these two instances where my brothers were murdered ten years apart, well, those are some of those moments. I do not condone what those murderers did. I do not accept the response of the legal community to let them go without due payment. I do not accept how some of my Christian brothers and sisters responded after their deaths. But God is calling me to a different response. If the grace of God has any merit, if it has any potency, it's in those times when it must empower me to be different, to be like Christ. I don't have to, I don't have to like what they did. But I can love them in such a way that perhaps the Lord will do a redemptive work in their lives. Now, this perspective that I'm sharing with you is is what you will hardly hear from the gay community when they talk about how the Christians are against them. Their logic says, you must accept me or I will let you have it. Ironically, their harshness, their bullying is the very thing they are accusing the bad Christians of doing. The angry believers and the angry gays have an evil commonality at their cores. While I don't condone mean-spirited Christians, I also don't accept gay people who have a hostile attitude toward Christians. If the gay community does not like how a few believers treat them, then being like them is not a mature response. The gay community should be trying to help arrogant Christians to mature in the grace that we trumpet rather than being frustrated and immature because we don't accept them. Fighting angry fire with angry fire will do nothing but stir up an enormous firestorm. The context of the two great commandments is to love those who don't like you, not to be like them. And so the first failure in logic is they'd say that Jesus loves everyone, and they conflate that to mean that we have to always agree with them. Our argument, gay logic number two, Christians are mean people. Yes, they are. But that doesn't give you the right to be mean also. And then gay logic breakdown number three, they say Christians view, Christian views perpetuate hate. This third argument follows a similar line of reasoning. If you don't like us, you don't like anyone different from you. 
Now, this is where it really gets odd. For example, gays will say that Christians are racist, that we don't like black people. This argument is surreal. Of course, they have their reasons for presenting this argument. For example, there was a time when Bob Jones University here in Greenville, South Carolina, a Christian organization, did not accept black people into their school, did not condone interracial marriage, which is shamefully true. The way the gay logic distorts the argument is by conflating two different things. Being gay or black are sin, and Christian hates Christians hate both groups. We hate blacks and we hate gays. They conflate those two things. So therefore, being gay is sin. Being black is sin. We hate sin. We hate gays. We hate black. They are equating the Christian's racial bigotry as the same as a gay lifestyle rejection. But Christianity does not believe in racism. They don't believe that being black is a sin. See, that's the problem. I mean, just because Bob Jones University was a giant fail in this area, that was not Christianity. Being black is a gift from God. Being gay is not a gift, but one of the many manifestations of sin because of the fall of Adam. Just because Bob Jones University ignorantly and arrogantly sinned against the black community, you can't bring your sinful lifestyle of choice up under their evil umbrella and say that you're the same as the black person. You're not. This attempt to vindicate themselves is a biblically illogical and false dichotomy. But if they believe they are the same as the black person, they can easily conclude that Christians have an axe to grind against the gay and the blacks for the same reason. No believer should have an axe to grind against any gay person. No Christian should look through the Bible to find a specific sin and then figure out who commits that sin so they can disregard those people. This hermeneutic is anti-gospel madness. We should, at this point, praise God that Bob Jones University has repented of their sins against the black community. But to say they should embrace the gay community similarly is taking advantage of a situation for selfish reasons, which would distort the Bible by going too far the other way. Now, instructively, Part of the black community is making a similar error by propping up this ungodly notion of reparations. They say that the white population has sinned against them. They are correct if they're talking about what happened 150 years ago and before. But they are saying that we are still guilty and should pay for something that we did not do nor condone. And so the title of this podcast is Gay Logic. How in the world did you ever believe this? I addressed three illogical arguments. The first one is that Jesus said we are to love everybody, and he most certainly did say that, but that doesn't mean we have to agree with everybody. They say that Christians are mean people, and in some ways that is an accurate argument as well, but that doesn't give you the right to retaliate because of the, the dumbness of some people within our ranks. They say that Christians Christian views perpetuate hate, and that is the Inflation that because of some ignorant Christian's racism, 
which is a perpetuation of hate, and then you slide the gay lifestyle up under that where they hate us too. No, we were wrong. We were wrong by uh, being racist toward black people. We accept black people. Black is a gift from God. But you can't bring gayness up in that and say, well, gayness is a gift from God as well, and we must accept it. That is just, that is just not true. And so to my gay friends, some of you have been wonderfully kind in your disagreement with me. Some have noted that I do not come across as mean-spirited. I praise God for you. I do not dislike any gay person. But after we move from civil cordiality, our discussion and beliefs do go in opposite directions. And I would not expect anything else, as I'm sure you wouldn't expect anything different from me. You don't agree with my position, and I don't agree with yours. Okay, let's move forward civilly. I hope that this podcast will serve you. It would be great if you jumped on our forums to ask us questions. I want you to know that I care for you deeply. This perspective that I'm sharing with you is how I think about my sins, too. I've already said that. We are a redemptive community, not a hateful one. And we want to redeem, we want to help people to work through their sin issues, whatever they are. If you want to read the article, please do that. Gay Logic, how in the world did you ever believe this? You're welcome to share it. And as always, you're welcome to discuss it with us. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And if we can help you in any other matter, I would love for you to uh, come here, come to our website. Jump on our forums. They're free. Uh, you can get your username and your password, and you can ask your questions, and it would be a joy to serve you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.